Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. So both my sister Rebecca and I went to college close to home. This was a good benefit for me because my sister is a wonderful cook and she on a regular basis would throw parties for all of our friends at my parents' house and make pizza for anyone who would come. In our Christian fellowship, the party at the Leightons became a little bit of a legend. I, however, lack my sister's culinary expertise. So at the end of our sophomore year, When I decided to throw her a surprise birthday party, I naively assumed that if I just said that it started at 7 p.m., all I had to do was bake a birthday cake. And instead, what happened was all of my friends showed up at my parents' house hungry and rightfully assuming that party at the Leightons meant dinner provided because it always did when my sister planned the party. So... Fortunately, my mother also loves feeding people, and so while I was panicking, she put water on the stove, pulled spaghetti out from the pantry, found all of these homemade meatballs in her freezer, and proceeded to feed 25 college students spaghetti and meatballs. Who just happens to have enough food and spaghetti and meatballs to serve 25 college students just randomly in her pantry? Only my mother. Um, But thanks to her, the party was a huge success, and my sister was completely surprised, and my friends were well-fed and stayed late into the night. And for me, the lesson learned was, people got to eat. And our gospel reading today is about exactly that, eating. The crowd in our gospel is kind of fixated on food. But to be fair to them, they've just witnessed something totally miraculous. There's about 5,000 men, plus women and children. They've all been hanging out on a mountainside, listening to Jesus preach, kind of hoping maybe he might do a miracle and impress them. And when it came time for dinner, there wasn't enough food to go around. And so Jesus took a few loaves and a few fish from a young boy and blessed them and passed them out. And after everybody, all 15 to 20,000 human beings had eaten, there was more food left over than they had started with. It was a culinary mic drop extraordinaire. People got to eat. So the next day, which is when our passage starts, obviously the crowd goes to find Jesus again. I mean, I would want a repeat of that miracle, wouldn't you? But when they find Jesus, he calls them out gently. The point of the miracle is not the bread. The bread is actually a sign of something much deeper. It will perish, but there is a food that will not perish, but will endure to eternal life. And the work that you have to do to get this food is simply belief. But the crowd still doesn't really get it. And so there's, you can see them sort of trying to figure out, like, what resonates with our experience? Like, what have we seen that's similar to this? And they're like, oh, wait, 
Remember, like Israelites and Moses and the manna. And again, to be fair to them, they're picking up on the right threads. The story of the Israelites and the manna is another example of God graciously and miraculously feeding his people. When they were wandering in the desert, fleeing the Egyptians, still not in the promised land, he sent bread to them like dew every morning for 40 years. His people got to eat. But again, Jesus in his conversation with the crowd nudges them in a different direction because the manna wasn't the point. It was bread from heaven, but it was a sign of something else, of the true bread from heaven that was to come. So finally, the crowd gets it, and they just, they ask for the bread. Give us this bread. And Jesus says, you're looking at it. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. People got to eat. The beauty of this interchange between Jesus and the crowd is how he taps into something so essential to humanity and our corporeal lives, something so easy to understand and so universally experienced to show us a deep spiritual truth about ourselves and about himself. Food sustains us. Basic food gives us physical life. Good food makes life enjoyable. For my friends at my sister's birthday party, the spaghetti and meatballs was the difference between everyone being a little hungry and a little bored and having a good time. For the crowd sitting on the mountainside, the bread and fish was the difference between listening to a sermon on an empty stomach and a full stomach. And if you ask anyone who skipped breakfast before church, they'll tell you that actually matters. For the Israelites wandering in the desert as refugees, the manna was the difference between life and death. We understand our need for food instinctively as soon as we are born and cry out in hunger for the first time. But our life is not just physical, it's also spiritual. And we also have to feed on spiritual food in order to sustain our spiritual life. And this is not so obvious or intuitive. This is what Jesus is trying to hammer home. Because of the evil in the world around us, and because of our own sin, the natural state of our spiritual lives is not healthy, happy, and nourished. In fact, the natural state of our spiritual lives is not actually even shriveled and starving, but still a little bit alive. Our natural state is dead. It's like we didn't get the food we needed from the very beginning, and we never even had a chance. But Jesus is the food that gives life to our dead souls. Through his death and resurrection, he breathes new life into our souls. And then we begin to feed on him as the bread of life and the living water. We work for the food that endures to eternal life because people got to eat. And the essential nature of that work is belief. And this is really important to remember because it would be easy for us to start making a list of all the things we do to work for this food. 
And we all know what would be on that list. Bible study, contemplative prayer, pledging to the church, devotion groups, spiritual retreats, etc., etc. And all of these are good things, things that do nourish us. And they are all helpful for knowing Jesus. But the work that gives us eternal life is one simple thing. Belief in Jesus' death and resurrection. This is what gives us the spiritual nourishment that we need to know Jesus in this life and to be lifted up with him forever in the next. Everything else is just icing on the cake. What I've said so far, however, sets up a bit of a false dichotomy between the material world and the spiritual world. It's not a simple divide where physical food gives us physical life and spiritual food gives us spiritual life. The material and the spiritual are actually deeply intertwined. And if we were, read, if we were to read John chapter 6 all the way to the end, we would see how Jesus in this dialogue brings out that truth very clearly. Because as the conversation continues... Spiritual belief in Jesus as the bread of life becomes almost synonymous with the physical eating of Jesus' body. He says, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. People got to eat. It is at the Eucharistic Supper that we see the ultimate confluence of the physical and the spiritual. We ask God to bless the bread and wine, and we believe that the risen Christ is spiritually present in it. Thus, we eat his body and we drink his blood. And it is through this physical food that we consume that we are spiritually nourished. It is a mystery how this happens, a mystery that we return to every time we approach the table, trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection, that he will effect in us a belief that leads to everlasting life. So come to the table and eat the wafer and drink the wine. A small taste of the bread of life, Jesus Christ, who came into the world to be our eternal life. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.